Time is up. You may sit down. Great job greeting. That was awesome. Hey, if I haven't got a chance to meet you yet, my name is Jake. I am so glad you're here this morning. I have been looking forward to this specific talk for quite some time. A little while ago, I was uh, reading in my devotionals, and uh, I was reading, and I came across this verse. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to start our time with this verse, and then I'd also like to end our time reading this verse as well. And so um, I'm going to just read it, and then we will jump in to what we'll be talking about today, talking about great expectations. So it's 1 Peter 1.3. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And then here it is. It is this. It says, now, so now that, now that God has given us his great mercy, now that we've been born again, now that Christ is raised from the dead, we live with, there it is, great expectation. So here's the deal. We all have got expectations. I've got them. You've got them. Big expectations, small expectations. We all have expectations. When we, uh, we, have, we expect that when we uh, start our car, like when we turn our key, that our car would automatically start. We uh, have expectations that when we flip the switch, the lights will come on. We have expectations that when we get in a plane, it's, it's going to safely take off and it is going to safely land. As parents, uh, we have expectations that our kids would say the word thank you when we feed them food. Now, this doesn't always happen. In fact, it hardly ever happens. Um, but there is the expectation. Uh, we have expectations that when we do an onside kick that we would actually not take it all the way down the field. <laughs> it would go about 10 yards, bounce a little bit, then we'd recover it. We expect that people would say happy birthday on our birthday. We expect that, we're, that our spouse would remember our anniversary. We expect that driver that we allow to get into the lane in front of us would give us that ever so friendly wave. We expect that. And if you're one of those who refuse that ever so friendly wave, you can expect the bumper of my truck to lightly lift and gently guide you in a whole new direction. Men. We expect that the guy standing next to us in the urinal will not strike up a conversation, <laughs> right? Ladies, apparently there is an expectation that no gal should ever have to go alone. We expect that our cell phone would not lose signal. We expect that the vending machine would actually drop the candy all the way to the bottom. We expect our Disney animals to sing, and we uh, expect that the person standing in front of us in line in the 15 items of le or less line not only have counted, but yes, confirmed that they have the allotted amount. We all have expectations. Even when we say the phrase, I didn't know what to expect, we obviously had something in mind. We always have something in mind. In fact, you had something in mind when you came to church today. Maybe if you haven't been to church in a while, you might have expected that the preacher would be in robes or at least bare minimum wearing a tie. But I bet that nobody in here expected that the preacher would reach out, grab a top hat, pop it open, and then place it on his head. I bet nobody expected that. I bet you didn't expect to see a video of a beatboxing baby this morning either. <laughs> and 
wouldn't it be completely unexpected if my beautiful daughter all of a sudden stood up on a chair and started yodeling? That's pretty unexpected, pretty unexpected. But I bet you didn't expect us to play the Muppet theme over the sound system as well. And at the same time that we would throw another video with a cow that has hair blowing in the wind. Or for bubbles to magically and majestically start to fall from the sky. That would be very, very, very unexpected that that would happen. Or nobody, I'm sure, expected an ape to come out of my office, walk halfway through, coming over here wearing a tie, all of a sudden stop and do the floss. And I bet you probably didn't expect that ape to be our very own Pastor Garrett. Right there. <laughs> You probably weren't expecting, only hoping that we would start to sell concessions. <laughs> I don't know what you expected when you came in. I, maybe this is normal for you. Maybe top hats, bubble, yodeling, an ape, Cracker Jacks being handed out. But what you probably didn't expect was that that guy selling Cracker Jacks would all of a sudden stop and propose to some random lady in the front row. Oh, it's gotta be. That's not unexpected, John. That is not unexpected that she said no. Probably at this point, you're not gonna be surprised that that same lady all of a sudden went into labor. Or for the power to suddenly go out and then suddenly come back on. I have no idea what you expected when you came in this place, but you probably didn't expect that streaker right there going down the middle of the aisle. Just kidding, just kidding. This is church, ladies and gentlemen, and there is a line, there is a line. Oh, yeah, there you go. I, it is unexpected that you're actually clapping for that as well. So this is obviously out of left field, but what did you expect when you came to church? If you've been to church like three times in the past three years, you probably expected it to look a little bit more like this. Watch the screen. Young hip guy welcoming all with graphic tee and cool glasses. I welcome everybody with arms wide open. Revealing my tattoo, so I have a past. Quirky transition to band. Invite everyone to stand. Let's do it. This is the song that everyone knows. It's the song that everyone knows.
just want to invite the ushers up as we prepare for our offering. Hmm. Feel free to give if you feel led. It's between you and God, but we're tracking it. <laughs> One man has all the answers. I have all the answers. Long pause. <laughs> Whispering. Repetition. Speaking softly to draw you in. Still pausing. Long prayer so that the worship leader can get back on stage. This is the closing song with strings that'll make you cry. Coming soon to your town, a new kind of church. You will be lifted high and challenged to grow. Sunday morning. <laughs> so let me ask you again. What did you expect when you came to church this morning? The same thing. Uh, you expect the same routine, the same old Sunday. Let's get specific to Arbor. You pull into the parking lot that looks more like a truck stop, and then you circle around until you find a place to park, unfortunately, on the other side of the barbed wire fence. We walk around the car and hightail it to the front door because we are late again. We walk into the building through some crazy maze of hallways and then up these long, squeaky tight stairs only to find someone waiting to greet us at the top. They smile, we smile, we drop the kids off, grab a cup of coffee, and approach the sanctuary where there is another greeter who hands us a handout. They smile, we smile, we enter into the main room, walk the same walk, and sit in the same general location that we always sit. Uh, again, they're already singing, so we join in, but not too loud because heaven forbid that someone would actually hear our voice. Somebody welcomes us from the front. They ask us to fill out a card. We don't. Then they ask us to greet for three minutes, and we run and hide in the bathroom. <laughs> we come back out. There's awkward conversation. Then we sit down uh, again. Finally, Jake steps up wearing some sort of plaid. He gives an awkward or pretty good talk, but not that great of talk. And then it's followed by another song where we are dismissed. We walk out, grab our kids, depart the building, load the car, start the car, drive the car off the lot, and then leave this place relatively unchanged again. It is the same old Sunday morning. And the truth is, we probably give more thought to what we are going to eat for lunch than we give to coming into this place and what God might have for us personally and spiritually. And if we're honest, and I hope we are this morning, oftentimes we'll walk into this place with little to no expectation. And I would say because we come with nothing and we expect nothing, then we receive nothing and we walk out with nothing. King David once wrote this. He said, at daybreak, Lord, you hear my voice. At daybreak, I plead my case to you and I watch expectantly. I wish that was us, that we would wake up at daybreak in the morning and we would just be watching. We'd plead with God and be watching at what he's going to do in and through our lives. We've all heard, or most of us have heard, the age-old expression, you know, keep expectations low, and then you won't be disappointed. 
I think that there's some truth to that in certain situations, but when it comes to approaching the God of the universe, I'm not sure that that thing rings as true. I'm not even sure if it's possible to overestimate or to overexpect what God might do for us. I mean, truly, what has happened to our childlike faith in approaching God? What has happened to approaching a good God, a big God, a great God with great expectations? And so let me give you a little warning. Today is going to be different. It's, it's already a little bit different. But today is going to be even more different because at the end of today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond in a manner that you probably weren't expecting when you walked in this morning. And so here's what I'm asking of you from now until then. I'm asking that what you would do is, and I would encourage you to be extra aware of what God is speaking to you and what God is saying to you and what God is trying to do inside of you as I walk through this message, okay? And in order to do that, what I wanna actually do is I wanna stop and I wanna pray at this point in time that we would all be open to that voice of God speaking to us. So Lord, we are pausing right in the middle of the talk to simply ask you to give us ears to hear. We wanna hear your message, your voice. We wanna hear your direction, so Lord, whatever that message is, for whomever it is, I pray that you would speak loud and clear. If that's through me, great. But if it is not, Lord, I just pray that you would speak, speak, speak. And may we all, myself included, hear your voice this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So from here on out, I'm going to walk verse by verse through a very popular passage a very, um, a very uh, what do you say here, a powerful passage about an extremely brave woman. A woman who actually met Jesus smack dab in the middle of a crowd. This is a woman who pursued Jesus with great expectations, great expectations. Jesus was en route to go heal someone else. And in Mark chapter five, verse 24, here's what it says. It says, a large crowd... A large crowd followed and pressed in around him. Him is Jesus. And wherever Jesus went, a crowd followed. Wherever he was going, people would gather and follow along. A few years ago, the time came for, uh, for my family to go on vacation. And my wife really, really wanted to go to Hawaii. And I really, really, really wanted to go to Disney World. And so Basically, I put my foot down and I let her know who was the man of the house and we packed our bags, boarded a plane and flew to Oahu. And, um, and while we're on the streets of Waikiki, uh, it was interesting. We're walking in the nighttime and we would run into these pockets of people these crowds of people to the point where you couldn't get by. And I'm like, what is the deal? What's going on here? And they were street performers. There were street performers at different corners as we went through. I don't know if there was a festival or what was going on, but at times we had to actually walk out on the road to get around the street performers because everybody was crowding in. Everybody was trying to see what was happening there. And I think it was the same for Jesus. Now, he's obviously not a street performer, but when you are opening the eyes of the blind and you're multiplying food and you're walking on water, you're going to inevitably draw a crowd. And I kind of picture Jesus as this rock star who's traveling down, you know, this, this dirt road, struggling with a mob of people reaching out, stretching out, straining just to be close to him. And while all this is happening, Mark tells us that there is a woman there in the crowd. There is a woman there 
who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. This woman had chronic bleeding, possibly a uterine hemorrhage, for a dozen years. And it says, Mark says, she suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had yet. Instead of getting better, she grew worse. This woman is desperate and destitute. She is desperate in the sense that she has tried everything. She has tried everything that medicine would make available to her. She's tried every doctor. She's tried alternative therapy. She's tried uh, prayer. She's tried every treatment, and it's only gotten worse. She is desperate, and she is destitute. She is destitute in the fact that she has spent every penny that she has, and there is nothing left. She's got nothing left to give. She's out of money. And truly, this still happens today. Even with all the, the, the medicine and even with all the financial programs that are out there, there are still families that pour every last dollar into health issues. In fact, I know for sure because there was a family I was literally talking to last week and this is their story, right? Their, their son is sick and so they're trying everything that they can to help their son. And you may be in that same condition or you may know someone and love someone who is in that condition where they have spent their life savings. They have sold their home or unloaded their possessions and maxed their credit cards. They've had friends and family um, and, and just get together and try to raise money and host benefits and do all those things. They've thrown all the money that they can muster to the need, and yet the need is only getting worse and worse and worse. And so they're without hope. They're without help, and they are desperate, and they are destitute. It's the same as this girl right here. She is in horrible, horrible, horrible condition. And Mark tells us that she has been in this condition for 12 years. So under the old covenant, all right, in Luke chapter 15 kind of details this out, she would be what would be considered ritually and ceremonially unclean. Here's what that means. It means that she has not touched another human being in 12 years. She has not hugged anyone. She's not held anybody's hand. She has not uh, had any physical contact in 12 years. She feels very isolated and very lonely in her suffering. She's not allowed to go into the temple or to go to church and worship with every all the other people. The only thing worse than suffering, I think, would be suffering in isolation. And that's this girl's situation. And according to Leviticus, the law at the time, she would have been forbidden to have any, because of her condition, any marital intimacy. So here's what that means. It means she was either married or she was now divorced, right? So she has no husband, she has no kids, or at least she doesn't have any kids that she can have to act with. She has no money, no church, she eats every meal by herself, she worships God by herself, and she lives by herself. But here's what's crazy about this gal. In the midst of all that, of being desperate and destitute, she still has hope. She has hope. It's crazy. How is it even possible to have hope in that situation? You know how it's possible? She heard about this guy named Jesus. She heard about Jesus. It says it right in verse 20, 27. It says, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I could just touch his clothes, I will be healed. 
Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Friends, this is the pivotal point of the passage. This is also the pivotal question of this message. It is a question that plagued me for years. What is the difference between this woman and everybody else in the crowd? What is the difference? Because potentially, think about it, hundreds of people are crowding in and touching Jesus, and yet she is the only one who is healed. Mark doesn't exactly tell us, and so it leaves us to speculate, and based upon what we know on that text and what we know about the Bible as a whole, this is what I would lead me to believe, is that the difference between her and the rest of the crowd is her faith and expectations. It is her faith and expectations. Now, obviously, everyone that came to Jesus had some sort of expectations. The crowd, we're kind of waiting for the show, right? What is Jesus going to do next? I keep hearing of all these things that he is doing, and I just got to see. And so it's like a street performer. What's the show going to be? That is not what this woman is seeking. This woman is seeking healing. That is what she's doing. And folded within this woman's expectations are two essential and the two essential elements that are unfortunately missing from the rest of the crowd. And so let me spend the rest of my time talking about those. The first one is this. She recognized Jesus as the Messiah. This woman recognized Jesus as the Messiah. Now, some of you, if you've studied your word, if you've read the story before, might say, hold up, Jake. Where in the world do you find that in the text? Because it does not say that. It doesn't specifically say that she recognized Jesus as the Messiah. So hold on and go with me for a second, because I think this is fascinating. The Hebrew word that refers to the corner of a garment is known as the kanaf. This word first comes up from Moses in Numbers 15. Here's what he says. He says, throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corner of your garments. The word garment right there is the word kanaf. With a blue cord on each tassel. You will have these tassels to look at, and so you will remember all the commands of the Lord. Back in the New Testament, or the Old Testament, God is telling his people that they need to wear these tassels on the corner of their garments, these kanaf, on the tassels on the corner of their kanaf, and they would serve as visual reminders of God himself and how they are supposed to live. Now, here's where it gets really interesting, because in Malachi 4.2, the prophet Malachi predicts the coming of the Messiah, and here's what he says. He says, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his Wings. The word Malachi uses for wings is also the word kanaf. It is the same word that is used to refer to the edge of someone's garment or to the tassels that are attached. So, legend grew. Superstition was formed that when the Messiah came, he would come with healing powers in his kanaf, in his tassels. So jump back to this girl inside of the crowd. She is pushing, she is fighting, she is trying to get close to Jesus. Why? Just to touch the edge of his garment. Remember, Jesus is a good Torah observing rabbi, therefore he would have known about Numbers 15 and he wants to obey the commandments, so therefore he would have been wearing tassels like this on the edge of his garment. So when the woman reaches out to touch the garment, or to touch Jesus' clothes, what she is doing is she is recognizing. 
She is declaring that Jesus is in fact the promised Messiah. That is awesome, you guys. In fact, when the scripture goes on a little bit farther, Jesus didn't ask who touched me. He said, who touched my clothes? I thought for years that this girl was just like super creative. You know, she just went back home and like, well, if I could just, she thought of this plan. If I could just touch Jesus, I will be healed, right? She didn't make this up. The reality is, is what she's doing is she's simply following an old Jewish superstition. A superstition like we have, like a rabbit's foot brings you good luck or a four-leaf clover brings you good luck. Now her doctrine and her theology is a little bit off, right? There were no healing powers in Jesus's tassels. But there is healing power. There was then and there still is now in the recognition of Jesus as the Messiah. There still is. And that's what she did. She recognized Jesus as the Messiah. That's the very first thing she did. The second thing is just as important. She responded to that recognition. She responded to that recognition. In other words, she took a risk. In fact, I think she took a big, big risk. This woman is not supposed to be in a crowd. Um, like the lepers of her day, because of her condition, she was required to yell the words unclean anytime she approached people. She was supposed to do that. And if she didn't, she risked being arrested. And yet, here's where we find this gal. We find this gal in a herd of people, right? And she's risking a whole lot. Why is she doing that? Why is she doing it? I think it's simple. I think it's because she simply recognized who Jesus was, right? That he is promised Messiah. And then she decided to do something about it, right? She responded to that recognition. She had faith and she put feet to her faith. She didn't just simply sit at home. She wasn't trapped in the same routine Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. She knew who God was and she pursued him with reckless abandon. Reckless abandon with great expectations. You guys, I think that's what God wants from us. I think God longs for that type of response from us. Verse 30. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Now, obviously, this is a rhetorical question. Right? It's a rhetorical question, and if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. Imagine if you went into the kitchen, and all of a sudden the kitchen, um, and there, there's a cookie jar, and it's knocked over, and it's empty, and there's no cookies inside of there. And so you go into the other room where you find, you know, your two kids, and, and kid A is over in the corner quietly playing and coloring over there, and kid B is hidden underneath the table with chocolate smeared across his face, right? And as a good parent, what do you do? You ask the question, okay, kids... Who got into the cookie jar? And it's not like you don't know who got into the cookie jar. You're just simply giving kid B an opportunity to respond. This literally happened to me this last week, this last holiday season. I had candy from Christmas that I was looking forward to. And Percy got into it and I went up to him and he's got candy smeared across his face. And I asked him, son, did you eat daddy's candy? And he said, no. <laughs> and then I asked him, are you lying? And he said, yes. <laughs> I 
I was simply giving him an opportunity to respond. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing right here, right? Jesus is inviting this woman truly to step out and publicly profess what she did. He's giving her an opportunity to respond. And so he asks, who touched me? And when all denied it, Peter said, master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. And I love Peter, you guys, I love Peter. Because it's like, Jesus, there's crowds everywhere and the pressing is coming from the people, right? That's right. And, and Jesus is probably like, oh, thanks for that help, Peter. You are the best, <laughs> right? I didn't realize that that's where the pressing was coming from, but now I got it. Peter, what I love about Peter is he reminds me so much of me making mistakes left and right. When there's really, when you should keep your mouth closed, that's when Peter leaps into action. I do the same. <laughs> But I love how patient Jesus is with Peter because it gives me hope for me. And it goes on, verse 32, it says, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear. She's trembling with fear. You guys, she's actually scared. She, this thing just happened and she's freaking out. She is wondering what's going to happen next. If I make myself known, will I be rejected? Will I be, you know, publicly shamed? Will I be cast out? Will I be arrested, actually? Did I just make Jesus unclean? And that was the thing. Because of her condition, if she were to touch someone, they would be ceremonially and ritually unclean until they walked through a whole process. Right? And so she's fearful that she just did that to Jesus. But here's what's so beautiful is that the woman did not make Jesus unclean. Jesus made her clean. That's what happened. Jesus made her clean because when Jesus touched her, he is pure, he is sinless, he is good, he is God. And so when she touches him, he does not become unclean. She becomes clean. And I need you to know this, and I need you to believe this in your heart, that whoever you are and whatever you have done, however dirty, disgusting, or defiled your life has been, when you reach out to Jesus in faith with great expectations, you do not make him unclean. He makes you clean. And trembling with fear... She told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. What a great day that must have been for her. Like what a miraculous day that must have been. And did you notice the language that Jesus used? Did you know, notice what he Daughter. Did you know that she is the only person in all of scripture that Jesus specifically calls daughter? Think about that. Why, why would Jesus use such an affectionate name or an affectionate term for someone that's probably around the same age as him? And my guess, and again, I'm, I'm just guessing here, I think she just simply needed to hear it. God does not waste a word. And maybe because of her situation, her dad had to leave because she had to be isolated according to the law. And so she felt abandoned. And what Jesus is saying by calling her daughter is that you're no longer abandoned. Welcome back into the family of God. You are no longer alone. You are worth it and you are loved. You guys, this moment is huge. This is a huge moment. This moment changed her whole life. It is total and complete healing. 
Everything is different. And I mean everything. In this moment, this gal could actually high five someone and celebrate. She couldn't have done that before. She could hug someone. Again, she hasn't hugged anyone for 12 years, right? She could be prayed for. She could go to the priests and say, look what happened. And they could lay hands on her and she could actually lay hands on other people and pray for them. She could hold a baby. She hasn't held a baby in a dozen years. If she wants to, she could actually go to church. She could worship with God's people. She could even get married. And if she's able, she could potentially have children. If she had kids prior to the diagnosis, guess what? She could see them again. And she could hold them and she could hug them. She could be a mom again. Her whole life in this moment is radically instantly changed by the power unleashed through faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Because she came with great, great, great expectations. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to invite the band to come back up. And as they come back up, what I want to do is I want to close out with a story where a time in my life where I entered into a conversation or a situation with God with great expectations and how he came through for me. Um, I didn't go to church every single week growing up. In fact, it was very sporadic when we would go to church. But the one thing I would go to every single year without fail was church camps. And so in the summer of 1995, I went to church camp with new expectations. I'll just shoot straight. Every year prior, I had one focus. I wanted to go meet the ladies, right? That's why you go to camp. I went to camp to meet the gals, but this year was different because my life was about ready to change. I was about ready to graduate and head out into the world. And there was one thing I needed to know before I did that, and that was simply this. I needed to know whether God was real or not. No more this going in between. No more one foot in and one foot out. No more riding the fence. I just needed to know. Because if I knew God was real, I'd follow him forever. But if I didn't, I just wanted to stop wasting my time. If he wasn't real, then I'm, I'm done. And so I went to camp. And the type of camps that I went to um, were very Pentecostal. So that means that at the end of every talk, every message, every service, morning and night, there was an altar call. Always an altar call. And so what I decided I was going to do is I was going to meet with God however, as many times it would take. So every time there was an altar call, I went down. It didn't matter if the preacher or the pastor said, I want you to come up here and I want you to pray for my neighbor's puppy who's going through a real difficult and emotional time. I was up there, right? I wasn't praying for the puppy, but I was praying, God, would you reveal yourself to me? I just need to know. I came with great expectations. And so camp went on. Every time I was there, every time I prayed, and every time I came up blank, nothing. I'm like, God, come on, I just need to know if you are real. And so it's the last night, last altar call, and I go. He gives a, he gives a signal, do you want to come up? I think I was the first one down, truly that day. I think I didn't wait, I was there, and I prayed. And I prayed with all my guts. God, I'm coming to you. You've got to prove yourself to me in this moment. And, and honestly, when I finished praying and I said amen, nothing, empty, blank, once again. And so I had this thought as I'm sitting up there, and I'm like, I want to talk to the speaker. I want to have a conversation with him. And he was praying for other students at the time, so I waited patiently. 
And then I went up to him and I asked him, would you pray with me? And I told him my situation. I just need to know, right? This, this thing has been weighing on me. I just need to know. And, I, and he's like, I gotcha. Let's pray. And so I bowed my head and I prayed with him and he gave some eloquent prayer and he said, amen, nothing. That was it. I had got my answer. I was done. I truly was. This was a very pivotal time in my life where I'm about ready to walk away from my faith and be all done with this because God didn't show up when I asked him to show up. And so there was this moment and I started to walk away and the guy could tell I was disappointed. He truly could. And so he actually asked me and he said, son, I loved it because he kept calling me son. He's like, you expect God to hit you like a bolt of lightning and God doesn't always work that way. Sometimes you will, but sometimes you won't. But faith always precedes the miracle. I never forgot him saying that. Faith always precedes the miracle. And I don't, he kept talking, right? He kept having another conversation and, and he kept going. And, and, but I honestly stopped listening to him because he said, you're expecting God to hit you like a lightning bolt. Faith comes before the miracle. It always does. I just thought to myself, maybe you're right. And I let down these ideas that God had to prove himself to me, right? And I just came with these great expectations, like, God, what do you got for me? I'll, if that's it, I'll just take whatever. And in that moment, he finished talking, and then he started to pray again, and he put his hand on top of my head. And when he did that, it was, you got to trust me on this, and I know how weird this sounds, okay? I really know how weird this sounds. You know how your foot falls asleep, you know? When you're, and then your foot is, has that tingling sensation, just whatnot. It started the moment that he touched my head. And it slowly went down my body, very slowly. Now you need to know something about me. I am not an emotionally charged person. I do not fabricate feelings. I do not go there. I do not do that. And, and so when this is happening, I'm not overly emotionally involved. I'm literally going, what the crap is what I'm thinking inside of my head? What is this? I'm touching my body as this slowly moves down and it keeps going and going. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what? Oh my gosh. And by the time it reached my toes, I'm like, oh my gosh, God, you're so good. You're real. Thank you. I will follow you for the rest of my life. And I've been doing that since because I came with great expectations. I came with great expectations. Guys, I think sometimes we come in here and when we come into this place, we come with no expectations, little to none. And again, I would challenge you, the reason we leave the same is because we come in here expecting nothing and we receive nothing. But what if we came in here and we expected great things from God? What if we woke up in the morning at daybreak and we waited on God expectantly? right? We pursued him the way that this gal pursued him. And we reach out, we strain, we risk. We get out of our chair and we move. We move out of the same old Sunday routine. So here's what's going to happen. I told you you would have a chance to respond and that time is right now. So here's how we're going to respond. And you may get sweaty hands, you may be very uncomfortable, your stomach may drop, whatever it is, we're going to have ourselves an old-fashioned altar call right here and right now. And hear what I mean by that. I'm going to open up this altar. 
We're going to open up this place and we're going to give you a chance to respond to Jesus, to reach out. Maybe you're here, right? Maybe you're here and you have a specific need. Maybe you know someone with a specific need. I would challenge you to come, light a candle right here, and then spend time here at this place talking and seeking God. Will it be uncomfortable? Yes, it absolutely will be. I know that so many of you have already acknowledged Jesus or recognized him as the Messiah. He is your Savior. He is your King. But maybe the difference between us and this woman is that she did something about it, right? She stood up, she went after, she pursued. I want us to do that this morning. And so maybe you're here and you've got questions like I had questions. You need to know, maybe about a specific decision. Bring that before the foot of the cross. Bring that right before Jesus, lay it down. He will answer you. He is faithful. He is good. Maybe you're here and you're running. And you have been running a long time. You're running away from God. You're running away from this. You're running away from that. Why not today stop, turn around, and come back to Christ? Maybe you've never come to Christ. And today is your day. Today is your day. It is time. It is time to stop trying to live your life the best way that you can. And it is time to lay it at Christ's feet, the healer the good God, the good man. Maybe you've been pretending, right? And you're tired of faking it. It is exhausting to wear those masks. Take it off. Leave it here. Stand up and walk out and never put it on again. We need to be authentic in our relationship. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you need to repent. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because the time, the moment I said repent, you knew exactly what you needed to repent from. Come on up here and do business with God. Friends, this is not your typical Sunday. This is not. But if you want to walk out exactly the same, do the same thing. What we're going to do is we're going to open up this altar. So would you do one thing? Stand up for me. Everyone in here, stand on up. And I'm going to open this altar. Here's how it's gonna happen. You don't have to come up here. Nobody's gonna pray with you. Just come here and spend time with Jesus. Time with him. Reach out to him in a way. If your stomach is dropping, if you have this inkling, this tugging at your heart, don't ignore it. Don't push the Holy Spirit away. Take a step in faith. Come down and seek God. If this thing fills up, Fill up the aisles. Just don't stay where you're standing, right? Step out in faith with great expectations. And here's my promise. As God had met me in the past, and as God has met this woman, he will meet you today. I promise. This altar is open. Let's continue to worship him now.